This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 194 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have a tale about the search for the source of a mysterious voice. This is The Phantom of the Lee. But before we get down to that, if this is your very first episode, you're very welcome along. Why don't you listen to this one and then head right back to the very beginning or check along the way and see what we've been building up to over the last four years and near 200 episodes of the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so, so much for your continued support. All of the usual ways you can support the podcast, you can tell a friend about it, you can follow, give me a follow on Instagram, at FiresideBard, all one word. Uh, you can share this podcast on your story, that's the best way to spread the good name of the podcast. If you want to support it in a more direct way, you can buy my book, Garden Sea, a neo-myth of home, combining the history, folklore, religion of Ireland with a, through a lens of growing up there to try and form a neo-myth of home that is available in paperback from headstuff.org and available in Kindle version on Amazon. And if you um, are around literally tomorrow, I know many of the people who listen to this podcast live quite far away from where I do, but we are finally officially launching Garden Sea tomorrow. We're having the official book launch in the Wicklow Town Library um, tomorrow, the Thursday, the 3rd of November at 7 p.m. Having a little reception and reading in the library there, which I'm very, very much looking forward to. It'll be, because the Garden Sea will have been out nearly a year at that point, but with lingering COVID regulations and the fact that I was traveling for work around this time last year, quite all of a sudden, I never got to launch the book officially and nearly didn't at all. And I'm delighted that I am finally going through with it and delighted that the book is going to be heard out loud and hopefully it will lead to further readings but that is there for anyone who wants tickets are free but they are available through eventbrite.ie all of the links are in the description below uh, there are still a few tickets available 
uh, on the website if anyone still wants to reserve one that's there if anyone's around if not you can buy the book in paperback or in kindle version um uh the one other way you can support the podcast is by joining headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com wherever as little as five euro a month although you can pay more if you want you can gain access to bonus material not just for fireside but for all of the podcasts on the headstuff podcast network and more of them there are every couple of months the podcast network continues and continues to grow but that with all of the sales out of the way this week i'm coming to you on a very blustery very wet november day it is now into uh, what is my favorite month but many people don't like it as that in between month between halloween and december but as we cleave ever forward towards the 200th episode of this podcast um, I'm going to focus on another few more folk tales. We'll decide what we'll do going moving forward from the 200th episode on. But I'm having such a good time troving through A Treasury of Irish Fairy and Folk Tales, um, which was, as I keep saying, one of my original sources for this podcast, but it's a big, uh, weighty tome. So while I'm spending a bit of time back home in Ireland, um, I'll be going away again in a few weeks, um, in just over two weeks. I'll be heading off uh, to New Zealand to complete the final part, the final leg of the tour of the world of musicals that's been scheduled since the start of 2020. And after numerous cancellations and rescheduling, this is the last of it now, going to New Zealand for a month. I cannot wait. Everyone I have ever talked to who has been to New Zealand has described it as one of, if not their favourite places that they've ever been. So I can't wait to go there. But of course, Fireside will be coming on the road with me when I travel around. So we'll see what New Zealand brings, both for work and for this podcast. Very much looking forward to that. But the story for this week uh, has a wonderful name that I've kind of semi-given it myself. Um, this was originally called Tig of the Lee. It's another T. Crofton Croker adaptation uh, from A Treasury of Irish Fairy and Folk Tales. Links are in the description below. It seemed initially like another tale of a clorican or a fairy of some kind in a house but the framing of it, the characters in it, the t overall tone was quite different to any other tales like this that I'd found. And I hope you like it. I hope you'll see what I mean very soon. We will chat more about it afterwards, of course. But this is Phantom of the Lee on Fireside. <laughs> Phantom of the Lee in an old decrepit manor near a coastal cliff in Cork, an anxious and haunted servant was monologuing at no one in particular. That's it, the servant cried. Not one more day will I spend working in this house. True, I've only worked here for three days, but enough is enough. Every day I have been undermined, disrespected and mercilessly abused, and I won't stand for it a day longer. Who are you talking to, John Sheehan? Came a voice to answer the servant's empty soliloquy. I'm talking to you, said the servant, frantically searching for the source of the voice. It had been this voice he had heard every day. It always sounded like it was in the room, right in the man's ear even, but as if spoken from one trapped inside a barrel. 
Most maddening of all, John Sheehan had never seen the creature who bothered him so much. Show yourself, the servant cried. You coward! Ah, John, said the voice. Don't be calling old Tig a coward. You have a dinner to prepare, a tablecloth to lay out, and you'll do it if you know it's good for you. Ho, ho, ho! The voice sounded like it was outside the window, and John ran to see. I have you now, the servant cried. But when he thought he had found his abuser, he realised his eyes were playing tricks on him again. That's only a bloody tree stump, cried John. Ho, ho, ho! The terrible laugh that had tormented John since his arrival at the manor was mocking him again. But this time it was not outside the window, it was back inside the room. You won't be seeing Tyke today, or any day, John Sheen. And mind you don't pocket any silverware from Mr. Prash like you did from your last master. Now to the kitchen with you. The master has a good gathering of Corkonians at dinner tonight, so be on your best behaviour, or a worse fate will befall you than the laying of a tablecloth. Ho, ho, ho! This laugh and the voice were gone, and John Sheehan had been rattled to his core. The silverware. There was only one soul that the servant had ever told of his theft of cutlery from his last employer. And he's cracking rocks in Botany Bay, thought John. But somehow this voice, this creature that haunted him, knew of John Sheehan's crime. Nevertheless, the servant vowed, I'll stay tonight, but tomorrow I'll leave this spectre behind forever. By dinner time, John Sheehan had regained his composure. The master of the house, Mr. Pratt, was joined by his three sons, a Mr. Bell, a Mr. Parks, a Mr. Cole, and the master's own brother, an artillery colonel visiting from overseas. When dinner was prepared and served and the glasses had all been topped up with wine and whiskey, the voice was heard once more. Ho, 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 Mr. Prash, have you no dinner for old Tyke? You'd surely treat Tyke as well as any of your fine guests. What in heavens is that? bristled Colonel Pratt. Oh, that's just Tyke, said Mr. Pratt casually to his brother. You've heard me talk about Tyke before, surely. Who is he? asked the master's brother. Well, that I could not say, said Mr. Pratt, for I've never seen him. And myself and all three of my sons have tried many times. Sometimes he sounds far off, sometimes as if he is right by your ear. But many a time we have searched and sat in wait, and never has any of the household seen a bit of him. He's been with us for years. He's a part of these crumbling castle walls. Still, he causes no harm. He asks for a bit of food and sometimes a bit of drink, and... He leaves us alone otherwise. In fact, the only harm he's ever caused is he once broke a plate, but the next day returned with an identical replacement. You say he broke a plate? asked the colonel. How did he get it without your seeing? Well, we leave out a plate of dinner, but he will not take it until we're not looking. How the devil does he know whether you are looking or not? The colonel was almost more annoyed at his brother's casual attitude than he was to the mystery of the voice. "'That's more than I can tell,' said Mr. Pratt. "'Tyg always knows when we are and when we are not watching. 
We have hit on him many a time, and we'll always hear his voice telling us that he knows we are watching. But the moment we turn, the plate is gone. And a moment later, it is returned, clean. I have learned to live with it, and enjoy the added life in this old house. I assure you all, Tyke shall not disturb our feast. Ho ho ho! came the voice. Ah, Mr. Bell, it's good to see you, Mr. Bell. A Quaker you were raised, and as handsome a Quaker as there ever was. But now you're not a Quaker, nor are you handsome. Ho, ho, ho. And Mr. Parks, you're looking fine in those brand new clothes of yours. That new red waistcoat is as rakish as the angle you wear your hat. And Mr. Cole, Excise man, oh, run from him, he'll take your taxes and your heart. Ah, Mr. Pratt, this is a fine vettel of friends you've gathered today. Kilndried Quakers, butter-buying bookings, and an excise man from the Coal Quay. All fine company for our guest of honour, the thundering colonel returned home from the bloodied battlefront of the Indies. Who knows what voices he hears out there? Ho, ho, ho! Enough! cried the colonel, grabbing his sword from the corner of the room. Show yourself, you rapscallion, you whippersnapper. You are some goblin of the garden, a mere lawn feature run amok. I'll have your tongue for insubordination. And the red-faced soldier opened the tall, wide, creaking window of the manor and hopped out onto the garden. He could not see, but could only hear the increasingly demonic sounds of the voice. All around, intangible, untraceable. The rest of the party had followed the colonel. Mr. Pratt with a beleaguered sigh at the trouble, his sons stifling the laughter at their uncle. But Mr. Cole and Mr. Parks were hungry for goblin blood. Come on, colonel, said Mr. Bell, brandishing his cane. Let's catch the devil. Oh, 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 Mr. Bell, said the voice. Can you catch the wind? You've as much chance at catching old Tig. I'll give you a sporting chance, however. But you'll have to try harder than that. Come here. Follow the sultry sound of Tig's voice. The colonel gave pursuit, with Mr. Bell following behind. Colonel Pratt was older and didn't see the action as troops did any more. But he remained fit, and more importantly, stubborn. He followed the voice which always seemed ahead of him, or behind him, or above him. It made the colonel dizzy and mad. Mr. Bell, who was fat with beef and porter, soon fell behind, and the colonel found himself further and further from the house, still brandishing his sword at an unseen foe. Oh, Colonel, would you really swing a sword at poor Tyg, who never did you any harm? Not the like of the harm that you've done on enemy soil, perhaps. Oh, oh, oh. Show yourself, you coward, cried the Colonel. And from the echo being eaten by the sounds of the rapids, the Colonel realized the voice had led him to the edge of the cliff overlooking the River Lee. Due to the depth and the darkness of the river at this particular point, and due to it being in Cork, this section of water had always been known as Hell Hole. A coward am I, Colonel. You sound just like the servant did today. And you know all about servants, don't you? 
not being one, of course. Have you ever done anything for yourself in your entire life, Colonel? But a coward you call Tig. Well, could a coward do this? The sound of the voice fell further and further away until the Colonel heard a big, deep splash below. He looked over the cliff's edge but could not see anything in the wash of mist and foam. But then again a voice far below but clear as any the Colonel had heard. Come on, Colonel, jump! Prove yourself less of a coward than Tig. Don't worry, I'll meet you back at the manor in ten minutes. You won't have to be without Tig for long. The Colonel contemplated the jump, but before regaining any senses he had left. He didn't want to wet his uniform, the weight of which would surely drown him. So Colonel Pratt left Hell Hole and returned to the hellish manor. Did you see Tig? Mr. Pratt asked his brother when he arrived back completely out of breath. Say that again. Did you see Tig? Mr. Pratt asked his brother when he arrived back completely out of breath. Give me some wine, said the Colonel. Never have I been led on such a goose chase. But I did call the blightest bluff. He led me to Hell Hole and told me he'd be back in ten minutes. Well, it's been longer than that, and there's no sign of him. It's no magic, but some mortal parlor trickery. Ho, ho, ho! What took you so long, Colonel? Tyke's been waiting for you. The Colonel's already pounding heart nearly burst in his chest. Now, Mr. Pratt, said the voice, would you mind laying out some dinner and a drop of whiskey, and then I'll leave you. Truth be told, Tig is worn out, and it's all the Colonel's doing. The servant John Sheehan was summoned to prepare a plate and glass for the voice. It sat there for some time without being moved. Oh, 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 Mr. Pratt, would you have Tig starve or eat a cold dinner? Avert your eyes and tell your sons to get down off that garden wall outside. Sure enough, the dinner party looked out and two of Mr. Pratt's younger sons were sitting on the wall, trying to watch the dinner plate through the far-off window for any glimpse of Tig. And when all eyes returned to the plate, the food and whiskey were gone. Mmm, 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 Mr. Pratt, as delicious a food and smooth a whiskey as Tyke has ever had, you are too good to me. I'll say good night to you all now. Good night, Mr. Parks, Mr. Bell, Mr. Cole, good night, Mr. Pratt, and of course, good night, Colonel. I hope we meet again. Well, you won't see Tyke, but Tyke will see you. Ho, ho, ho. And with one final grating, irritating, and menacing laugh, the voice was gone. Many more nights, Tig was heard in the old, decrepit manor near the coastal cliff in Cork, and the manor was no hellhole to live in for those who accepted Tig as he accepted them. Many a dinner was prepared and a secret learned, but the colonel never again returned to the manor, or to Cork, haunted by the voice, haunted by the River Lee. Tig was never seen, 
and no one ever discovered who or what he was. And that's sometimes how it goes. For what would belief in fairies have been in Ireland if everyone had to see one? And as for John Sheehan, the servant, well, he never left Mr. Pratt's manor. And he certainly never stole a lick of silverware for fear of retribution from Tig, the Phantom of the Lee. The End. winning Spice Bags podcast is back with season four. You can expect the same mix of staple chats with me, Dee Laffin, Blanca Valencia, and Mei Chin, and deep dives into countries' cuisines, conversations with people from the international community of food in Ireland. Look forward to listening to episodes about shopping, about cakes, Argentina, Nigeria, plus an episode to celebrate the launch of our cookbook, Blast Books Soup. So tune in to us wherever you access your podcasts or headstuffpodcast.com. And that's the tale of the Phantom of the Lee on Fireside, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, you see what I mean when I say the the framing was very different in this story. For starters, there's a lot more dialogue than there sometimes is. Sometimes the stories end up being incredibly prose-based, and sometimes quite heavily dialogue-based. I've spoken about in past episodes when we've had a couple that have been almost entirely from the first person, which is a lot of fun to perform, because you're less bound by the the structure of and grammar of an omnip an omniscient narrator voice and you can lean into a little bit more into the conversational quirks of conversation when um when you're playing a character telling a story as we would in real life but here we have kind of a middle ground uh, where we begin with this monologue this soliloquy of this perturbed haunted servant which i love um i've kept him as his name is in the in the adaptation um, from the book, which is John Sheen, which I loved as it's the fiddler and the last surviving member of the Dubliners, even though this is very much a cork, cork tale. So we have this, this servant in this big old decrepit falling down manor who is haunted by this unseen voice, this, this ghost, this goblin, this specter, this fairy. He cannot be sure what it is, but it is one that knows all. And it's one that tells him what to do and tells him that if he doesn't, he'll tell everyone, the ghost will tell everyone or the spirit will tell everyone about John's crimes. And it is this omniscience, uh, to use that word again, of Tig. Tig of the Lee is is the original name of this. This story is spelled a very, a very unusual way. It's spelled T-E-I-G-U-E. Now, there are many many different spellings for Tig. There is the more traditional T-A-D-H-G, um, but it has been spelled every way from T-A-I-G to T-E-A-G-U-E, Teague. And how it's spelled in this story is almost more in line with Teague, spelling it T-E-I-G-U-E. Um, but from looking at the various, it still does seem that it would still be Tig. Is Tig is a is a wonderful Irish name, one of my favourites because it means uh, it's commonly believed to mean a poet or a storyteller. Um, Tig was a druid of the Tuatha Dé Danann. He is the grandson of Fionn McCool. Um, it's a wonderful, really, really strong. I would say I like these 
almost obnoxiously Irish names like Turlock, Rienach, and Tyg. Um, they were they were our ones I would fight for uh, as a children's name for sure. Um, and a thing I discovered just in the little bit of research I was doing more so on the name of Tyg was I never realized that uh, before I haven't heard it used as such now, but. Taig was used as a synecdoche for uh, for an Irish speaker in the same way that uh, Paddy and Mick have been used as uh, derogatory terms, um, but synecdoches nonetheless um, for Irish people in general. Taig was used as one for uh, for an Irish speaker, which I thought was quite interesting as, uh, as an older source that shows that that's how Irish a name Taig truly is. Um, which, if you don't come from an Irish-speaking background and don't understand how the Irish language and even the letters of it form the sounds that they do, it's yet another one of those names that you would struggle with to look at. You'd just think Tad, Tadig, um, but Taig is, is how it is pronounced. And so Taig, Taig of the Lee, uh, the Phantom of the Lee, is bothering this poor servant, but it is this omniscience that he has that makes him particularly mysterious because this story fits in the solitary fairy section of fairy, of fairy tales, of um, Irish fairy and folk tales. Um, and so it's amongst the Cloricon, it's amongst stories like Fardarek and Donegal is in The Man Who Had No Story, and more recent stories such as The Haunted Cellar and even The Headless Horseman, they all are solitary fairy tales, and a lot of those ones are Cloricons, which, which as I found out recently in, one of the, in The Haunted Cellar, a Cloricon is thought to be nothing more than a leprechaun on the lash, a leprechaun on the beer. So initially, when I was reading this story, I was thinking it's going to be very different, to the, very similar to The Haunted Cellar, which also featured a big old manor and a bothered servant and a master who ended up having to go and discover that his home was occupied by a mysterious drunken fairy who he just had to make his peace with. Um, but it's this one is different because we never see Tyg, and Tyg seems to have powers greater than your traditional Irish fairy, and this comes in him being able to see everything. He knows everyone's secrets, things that they've never told anyone, things that may have happened far away. He knows about he knows about this servant having stolen silverware from his past employer, but he even knows about Colonel Pratt's escapades in the Indies. Um, and he knows about them at dinner and clearly the colonel has some skeletons in his closet due to how incensed and aggressive and raging he becomes with the spirit. So then we get this almost um, Cluedo-esque dinner party of these uh, landed gentry. I played around with the accents of all of them because this is very much like wealthy Protestant ascendancy but still very much in Cork as well. That's another common trope of a few of these more recent uh, stories is a lot of these folk tales are set in like poor rural communities. But the, a, lot, a lot of these last ones, I suppose, because they've been the ones more associated with hauntings, which we traditionally more associate with big spooky castles and who lives in big, big spooky castles, but rich Protestants, certainly in Ireland at this time. So we have uh, this Protestant ascendancy family of... Uh, the Prats and the Bells, 
um, and the Parks families, and they were all gathered, and it's Mr. This and Mr. This, and they're all gathered around. And I just, I fell in love with the fact that Mr. Pratt, by this point, is so used to Tig and so unaffected by him at all. And it made this a lovely piece of exposition to write in the story because you could just do it with almost the exposition and the casual nature of the exposition as part of the humor and the charm of the story, I feel. So that made it a lot of fun to adapt at that part, for sure. And this doesn't do the colonel at all. The colonel who I've just made your very, very quintessential uh, Boer War blustering, bristling colonel. I love getting to use bristle as uh, attaching to a, to a thing spoken. Um, and he essentially became a combination of like Colonel Harty, the elephant from the Jungle Book, and uh, bizarrely from Roy Detrice's impression or his voice for Tywin Lannister in the Game of Thrones books. Um, he plays Raptorian. You're not on trial for being a dwarf. Which was a, a voice I never totally fell in love with during it. But now that I've done this, I've realized that that must be exactly what he was doing. He was just portraying Tywin Lannister as like a Boer War army colonel. And then I can't help but like it all the more. So yes, I very much leaned very much into this this voice for the colonel, um, because it is quite explicitly, I mean, it does say he grabs his sword from the corner of the room, I didn't add that detail, so it does seem like he is very bombastic, and it is absurd to this level that he wants to hunt down this dismembered voice, which leads him out onto the cliff's edge and over the river Lee, onto this wonderful, I hope my cork listeners will forgive my cork joke there, um, but that was, again, in the story, not my addendum about Cork, but that this particular point about the River Lee was known as Hell Hole due to its depth and the darkness of its waters, which I couldn't help but love. And then we hear, I like that we hear a physical splash for Tig. We know that he does have a physical form. So even if he sounds like he's in your head or by your ear or outside of the window, no matter where he is and no matter how fast he can travel, there is a physical body. And it's quite a loud splash, so he's not even that small a creature. So all of this is um, incredible, incredible added details to the tale. And part of me also, I'm, there might be a dissatisfaction of the fact that we never do see Tyg in the end. But part of me really liked that as well. Um because there has been historically a huge amount of genuine belief in the other folk and in fairies in throughout Ireland and especially throughout the history, this post-famine history that we would be talking about around this the time that this story is set. And they may very well have been out there and may be out there still and people may have had genuine sightings. But many people have never seen one and many people don't believe or probably never believed in the other folk at all. And yet this belief and this culture and this storytelling persisted. So there have to be so many tales of the other folk coming from people who never did see them, even though there's a lot more than not seeing Tyg in this with how much he's heard and the food that's provided and the food that's eaten and drank. But I do like that they never ultimately do find out and that it's ultimately left up to our imagination because there has not been a Chlorachan, there has not been a Leprechaun, there has not been a fairy quite like Tyg. 
with the same level of swiftness and speed and mischief and knowledge of everything. Um, and as my final addendum, because I stayed faithful more or less to the story, I added in that, yeah, that the servant never did leave and that he stayed and that certainly did not rob any more of the silverware on Mr. Pratt. But that is the tale of Tig of the Lee, um, one I very much enjoyed. Um, a really nice, nice little tale, very different structurally, lovely different bit of dialogue, different kind of characters, different kind of fairy. Um, I liked it a lot. So yes, this is the trend we'll continue with up until the 200th episode, at which point we'll probably return to more of our normal structure of a myth or legend on one episode and the folk tale on the other. But as I said, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, troving back through a treasury of Irish and fairy and folk tales uh, and I want to make sure the next big thing that we do on Fireside the next big legend look um, is something good that we'll all enjoy and that will be a lot of fun to adapt so all the usual things uh, follow me over on Instagram if you have not done so already at Fireside Bard email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you are not on Instagram and you want to get in touch um, you can come along to the book launch is tomorrow if you're listening to this today um, so that's Thursday the 3rd of November at 7pm in the Wicklow Town Library tickets are free uh, but available at eventbrite.ie if you are not around and you want to buy the book you can do so in paperback from Headstuff or in Kindle version from Amazon we can ship the paperback anywhere around the world I literally as I was recording got an order for two more books there thank you so much to the, those who ordered those will be sent off for you tomorrow now uh, and we'll be with you soon um, I will next week we will have another folk tale as I said I will see you all also you can of course join Headstuff Plus for as little as 5 euro a month although you can pay more if you want um, I will see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.